0: So we have not actually exchanged our takes and opinions. Um, We don't stand next to each other during practice. We both have different vantage points. So I figure uh, this would be a good time for us to kind of review in live uh, time with you what we saw at practice, what we think. And, of course, we'll take your questions and calls at 201-939-4513. It's all presented by Coors Light. All right, Paul, I'll let you go first. Give me your take number one.
1: Okay, uh, first things first. We'll go right to the quarterback. Why not? Daniel Jones uh, threw the ball extremely well. Mostly short stuff in the two days that we were allowed to see. Did you watch yesterday? Were you allowed to watch? Uh, I was not allowed to okay. watch. Okay. No. They did have a morning practice yesterday. It wasn't very thorough. My, my guess is that it was abbreviated. I'm sure. Yeah, they, 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 Get
0: they the guys did, out of here. They did not have a separate walkthrough and practice. It was all back-to-back. So I'm guessing that it was very truncated.
1: Yeah. So let, let, let John and I give you a little asterisk first off saying that we only got to watch on Friday and Saturday. So having seen those practices I thought during the course of, of both days Daniel Jones threw the ball well. He throws a nice spiral. We knew that. Uh, he's got some touch on the ball. He can get the ball deep. Look the weather was good. You guys know the typical Meadowlands winds that usually hit in November and December can be really nasty. It was a little moist though. Yeah, but it wasn't really windy. No, it wasn't windy. So so to, to just make it clear, Daniel Jones threw the ball fine. I think he threw all the routes, again, mostly short stuff, but I did see him go through all the different routes, and I did not see him have any trouble getting the ball where it had to go. Again, wasn't much of a wind, though, and I and I think it's important to let people right. know that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, My general take, and then I'll specifically give you mine on Jones – Was that none of the players surprised me? I think what I hate to see, and maybe it's because I did more film work this year, but in years past, the Giants might have drafted somebody, they show up, you have a preconceived notion of what the player is. Right. Then you see him out there and you're like, uh oh, that's not what I was told. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know know what what I mean? mean? But this year, pretty much all the guys that were here that I had previously watched, it's like, okay, yeah. I saw that there, I saw that on tape, I saw that on tape. Yeah, this guy looks like the guy that I scouted and like looks like the guy that the team described to me in the, in the post-draft press conferences. So I thought everybody was exactly kind of what I thought they were going to be, to be quite honest with you. No one surprised me necessarily. As advertised is the phrase. Yeah, correct. Now, for Daniel Jones, I have no concerns about the kid's arm strength. I don't think he has a prime Eli Manning caliber arm. Even I'll say this, for you know, a guy that we watched closely for a couple years, I don't think he has an arm as good as Davis Webb, for example. But his arm is good enough to make all the throws. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts good spin on the ball, throws a nice spiral, probably mm-hmm. throws a better spiral than Eli did when he was a younger mm-hmm. quarterback here. Who And he still, frankly, doesn't throw a, a great spiral from time to time. Not all the time. No, right? absolutely not. So I think he certainly has a good enough arm to make all the throws. What's going to determine... There are two things for me for Daniel Jones, and what I saw in practice, again is what I saw on tape. Two things are going to be what's going to determine his success in the NFL. One, how consistently accurate he's going to be down the field. We saw him throw some high balls over the course of the two days of practice, which is surprising because that wasn't something he actually did at Duke much at all. I think maybe he was a little bit juiced up. He did overthrow a couple deep passes. Now he did throw one interception, on a great play by DeAndre Baker, and we'll talk about that later. He deflected, deflected it to the safety, right? But he turned Whitfield. around. A great coverage made a nice play on the ball. Whitfield got the interception. And he had another ball that could have been picked. It got dropped in the flat. So Connelly. it's consistent accuracy and decision making, and throwing the ball in the coverage. If he can get those two things figured out, he's going to be fine. Um, he moved around okay. He didn't really. Obviously, you're not going to run with the ball to quarterback at these practices. He did get out and scramble once. You saw his athleticism. He's certainly big enough to make all the throws. And what you said, and I think maybe this is why people dinged his arm strength as much as they did when he was at Duke. He controls his throw velocity well. Mm -hmm. He will not just fire a ball in there for the sake of firing it. He will try to put some touch on it, throw a more catchable ball if the throw allows it, and I think those are good things. And I think maybe something that might have frightened somebody from watching the Duke tape, well, maybe he doesn't have the big arm to, you know, Zipped the ball everywhere, but maybe he wasn't trying
1: to zip the ball everywhere, but he didn't have to. One thing that I thought was important, John, and it really kind of went unnoticed, I think, by most observers. But for a guy who didn't do a lot of stuff from under center.
0: His footwork on his drops were very Really
1: good. smooth. Nice. Great point. I didn't see him trip over himself once or look awkward or be off balance in the pocket once. Now, he did do some stuff from under center at Duke, but it was primarily Limited. shotgun. Correct. Limited. And, you know... From, from my experiences, and, and I've talked to offensive coordinators for, for three decades, okay, they will always tell you that especially a shotgun quarterback, the footwork is absolutely priority number one because to take that ball from center and then to get the footwork down properly in the pocket is a very unnatural feel for these guys because they've been going through their college careers without doing it. And so, the fact that he was so smooth out, John, not once did I look and say, oh, there's the feet. Not once. No, I agree with that. Everything was smooth. And when you don't notice it,
0: that's good. And there was one fumbled snap, but it wasn't his. It no. It was one of the other quarterbacks that, Correct. that fumbled the center exchange. So, so anyway, you're right. No,
1: that's a good point. So, checking all the boxes today, as far as the boxes he can check.
0: Yeah. Physically, I feel fine about him. And as we've talked about on the show many times, uh, what makes a quarterback great is what's going on between the ears and accuracy, which is one physical thing sure, that's very important. Sure, sure. Um, And But, you know, we'll see. As he gets on the field and he gets more playing time, we'll see how he's able to, you know, read defenses on the fly, decision-making once he has the balls in his hands, uh, ball in his hands, and do all those different things that he, quarterbacks have to do when they're running a play. Make split-second decisions, read defenses mm-hmm. quickly, make good decisions. We're not going to know that till he gets on the fire
1: in game. So... That's where we're at with him. We should throw one other thing out there. Yeah, go ahead. His poise in handling the entire media circus, and there was a media circus here, I thought was also very well done.
0: Which is also not
1: surprising, given we expected what we knew it. about that, We right. saw him at the Combine. Correct. Both of us did. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, too. And you it was saw him like, there, too? Yeah, I mean, he's, he handles things exactly as Eli would. Yeah. He is so smooth. He is so nonchalant in terms of, okay, fine, what's the question? And, yeah, and he answers And, and some of his he's answers really cool.
0: were right out of the Eli Manning playbook. <laughs> yes. They yeah. just were. He's...
1: he's Manning, brother four. And I've I am, saying and it I am months.
0: going to do my best to try to not make that comparison because I don't think it's fair. And I think a lot of people think, oh, well, they picked him because he looks like Eli. No, they picked him because he think they think he's a good football player. But the
1: demeanor comparison is fair, and that's not doing him an injustice. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not.
0: But because of all the noise and negativity around that comparison that people
1: have. You feel That's well, why I want to try to stay away okay. from it. You know what I mean? Well, let's I, just say he was poised then. How about that?
0: Hundred percent. And again, I don't disagree with the actual comparison at all. I think you're right on about it. And I said it myself. His answer sounded something like you would hear Ten say, but very, very
1: smooth. It, very it's, cool. it's a
0: comparison that I, I'm going to try to stay away from just because I think people will take it the wrong way.
1: And, and you know what else too? Let me just throw out this other word: humble. Yes. Well, he does not show any cockiness. At all. Very humble. You don't see him and his dad, you know, forming an entertainment company 24 hours after he got drafted. I'm just saying. Let's move on. Um, Baker, since we mentioned him already, let's go
0: him next. Again, exactly what I saw on tape. I saw him struggle on on a couple reps where he was playing off coverage. Uh, There was a double move he got nailed on on off coverage. Now there's another thrown pass by the quarterback. It wasn't Jones. It was somebody else. And he got beat but when you got him up in press he stuck to the receiver he had two or three pass breakups over the course of the couple of days He's of practice sticky. he is sticky. He's very sticky now the problem is that a lot of the stickiness <laughs> And you see jerseys getting pulled. You see him grabbing and tugging. And that first day on Friday especially, we saw a lot of flags get thrown on the yeah. secondary. It got cleaned up a little bit on Saturday. It wasn't nearly as bad. But it's something we saw. If you look at his tape at Georgia, you saw it there too. Yes. Where yes. he doesn't get his head around great sometimes, and he gets a little grabby. He gets a little tuggy. He gets a little, He'll you know, burn. sticky. But that's something. The only thing that I worry about with Baker is that um, everything else, you know, he's he's a good Look, if you put him in bump and run coverage, he's going to be a good player for you. Bottom line.
1: I saw one thing about him that I really, 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 really liked. And that is they not they latched him up in 11 on 11 three different times against Reggie White Jr. from Monmouth. Now, Reggie White Jr. is not a, a, an accomplished guy in that he played at an FCS school, right? We agree with that. Mm-hmm. However, it's important to see how Baker stylistically. Tried to guard the much larger receiver. He's about six two, Reggie White Jr. I think of the way. he. I, is, is, think of him six three or six six two. Let's Tell see. me. Let's see. What did they list him at? They list him at. They list him at six two. Okay. Point is length and height, much much bigger than Baker. That's a mismatch. And if you're an offensive coordinator and you see DeAndre Baker out there, that's what you're going to try and to do. Baker's six foot flat, right? That's what they listed at. Barely.
0: I know he might not be. I will I'll have to check his combine measurements. In fact, I can check them right in front of me. Here. They're
1: so, saying five eleven. Five eleven. Okay. Okay. There you go. So that's the mismatch you're going to try to create, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did he do against? When? What did he do against White when he was in one on one with uh, him?
0: I saw him give up one catch all of two days that I okay. watched. So not
1: a whole lot. What I what I liked was the way he used leverage on him. He twisted his hips. He got his back pedal going. He was uh, using his arm bar. To make sure that he pushed White to the without, without necessarily getting too physical with him, made sure that he ran him out of room, ran him off to the sideline, and gave White no room to operate in his route. And that is exactly what he's gonna have to do against bigger receivers when he's playing a regular season game in the National Football League. He's gonna constantly go get up against guys like that, and he's gonna have to make sure that he squashes their space. And he's gonna have to use technique to do it. I saw that during rookie Manny camp, and that made me feel very good.
0: Baker's 5'11 0, by the way. So he's 5'11 on the nose. That's from the combine. So I think that's probably the best measurement uh, that we Is, can use. Wife, we that's what I'm trying to find right now if he's on Bruegler's list. He's, or not. he's got him by
1: at least three or four inches.
0: I do not have his measurements in front of me. I can look them up on the NFL.com website. Okay. But, um, yeah, Baker, look. You, Baker, you, you see what I'm getting at, though. 100%. And what you're going to see Baker do is is when he's in that man-to-man, folks, he's going to play inside leverage. He's going to try to trap the wide receiver on the sideline. He's going to get leverage. He's going to try to use that inside leverage to try to take away the slant and the deep end cuts, and he's going to try to play those sideline back shoulder fades deep goes all that stuff and post he's going to try to take that away with his ability to locate the ball and, and, and be in physical but he's going to try to trap the guy in the sideline and that's how he's going to try to cover the
1: technique guys. looked really really good to me and and that that's good I, I i don't want to see him have to be coached up a tremendous amount he's a number one pick i'd like to think that he's close to being ready-made with water close to and i think he showed some of that to me
0: yeah you would hope a um, couple other things to, to point out as we move along here. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, obviously, no pads. Tough to really see with him. Yes, but Very look, hard. he's listed at three forty, and he looks lean, which to me is. He looks three twenty, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't look like he's three forty. He wears that ninety seven, and it kind of, I could. His body type reminds me a little bit of Linval Joseph. That's what it reminds me of. After Joseph was here a couple years, and mm-hmm. kind of when when Linval got here, he's a little little chunky. I think it might be a fair baby way to fat. put it. Yeah. <laughs> but that baby, fa- baby, baby fat, after a couple of years, kind of went away. And it did. But Lawrence looks like his went away at Clemson already. So, yes. Uh, he can I move. Agree. He's big, but you can't really see much without the pads on it, Practice. The,
1: the only thing from him that I was able to notice, and you're absolutely right, John, the guys in the trenches, I mean, come on, no pads, no contact, no nothing. What are you going to say? But here's what I will say against the stand up dummies in the defensive line drills, his hands were extremely quick. Very, very quick in terms of the, the slapping as he was going through the dummies. How And how do you know that? Well, because they would send six or seven of the guys one at a time through the line. And if you watched, you could see, well, that guy does it faster than that guy. Yeah. That guy's slower than that guy. Lawrence would come through, and he was lickety-split with his arms in his hands. Very, very quick upper body. Um, that's a good sign for me.
0: It's not a bad sign, certainly. So we'll keep an eye on Dexter Lawrence as we move along. The rookies, by the way, are gone this week. They're back next week, and then they'll be here for the duration throughout the rest of OTAs and minicamp, which begin the uh fourth week of um, third week of May, the week before Memorial Day. That's when OTAs mm-hmm. get going. Yep. Um, a couple other guys I want to touch on very quickly. O'Shane Zimenez, again, uh, you saw his hands, and that's what impressed me the most about him. He has a lot of good hand movement on his pass rush to get offensive linemen off of him. But again. Without pads, I want to see him go against power and strength and contact. He has the the, the physical quickness and hands to, to get it done, mm-hmm. but we knew that already, right? So we got to sure. see him in pads against somebody else. And I don't know if
1: I saw him in coverage much. He was pretty much going after the quarterback. That's what they want him to do. Yeah. It's, it's safe to say that. Right. And Go by and the get way, him. and I, Dexter Lawrence, by the way,
0: did play all across the defensive line. It wasn't just a nose yeah. tackle. He was at the three technique and the five technique as well. A um, couple other guys that I noticed, that I thought were interesting. You know, Dave Gentleman mentioned safety is a possibility for Julian Love at the press conference. I was thinking, okay, down the line, maybe you use him there, right? Now, well, <laughs> you, they took care to use him at outside corner, slot corner, and at safety. Yep. So, I think if you get through OTAs in minicamp now, and you're like, all right, well, Grant Haley, we think he can be a really good slot corner for us. You might see Julian Love competing with Antoine Bethea to be the free safety. Totally agree. You understand why they think that. He was better as an off player at Notre Dame. He breaks on the ball really well. He's smart. He's a good tackler. And, again, all his times getting his hands on the ball in college as a coverage guy – lends itself and his intelligence to playing free safety. Mm-hmm. So I get what they're trying to do. I think it'll be interesting to see how and where they use him and how often through OTAs and camp and then they'll decide where they're at, they'll reset, and then where he opens up in training camp, I think it'll be really, really telling.
1: Yeah, based on the fact that he got as many safety snaps as he did over the week, I was telling my dad the other day, I wouldn't be shocked if— they start training him that way during training camp with the intention that maybe a month into the regular season, he might supplant Bethay as the starter. It wouldn't shock me, John, because the sky's the limit for the kid. He's got tremendous ability, and we know his attitude checks all the boxes. So why hold him back? If he proves that he can actually wrestle that spot away, give him a chance to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what happens with him. Ryan Connolly, again, middle linebacker. He did seem to be making all the calls uh, as the mic. He covered mm-hmm. a couple guys in the flat. Mm-hmm. Um, again, hard to really see with middle linebackers. Did you pick anything up with him specifically? I uh, did not see
1: anything other than the the one pass in the right flat where he right. read it. It would have been a pick six uh, on Daniel Jones, as a matter of fact. Right in his hands, and he dropped the ball. <clears throat> <laughs> that's that's about all I saw out of Conlin. Uh Darius Slayton showed off his speed. Uh, he Yes. He fought the ball a little bit. Yes. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll use kind verbiage on Friday. Consistent
1: hands is the way I'm going to I go. think he
0: probably dropped around three or four Daniel Jones passes. See, my theory is that he was just trying to make Daniel Jones feel at home like he was back at Duke. You know, maybe he was feeling uncomfortable here. So he's like, all right, I'll, I'll drop a few to make it seem like you're back at Duke to make you feel a little bit more comfortable.
1: Um, I understand the thought, John, because there were those in the press corps who were saying the same thing. I'm obviously joking,
0: folks. Uh, yes, yes, he is, I... he
1: is kidding. Yes. but the, the snickers coming from the writers was was along those lines. Here's what I will say though, uh, he's got no trouble beating guys deep. Uh, first
0: play of one- on ones <sighs> first play of one on-one. God, I forget number who who's number 29? Who was well, who was number 29 in rookie minicamp? Uh he's gone. He's yeah. not here anymore. No, but he was. He was. Well, he was on the roster, right? What was his name?
1: No, because Cam- Cameron Moore is twenty-nine, and Cameron Moore was not here. Oh, okay. So the guy, the guy's now gone. This is the new. This is the new roster. Oh, that's that's not the rookie trade. This camp is this roster. morning's roster. I got um, an updated sorry, one. I
0: didn't. I didn't get that yet. Well, number twenty-nine in rookie minicamp, he lined up one-on-one with Darius Slayton. Oh, the minute. first play.
1: I got it. I got it. Hold on.
0: <laughs> the first play of rookie. Uh, the first one-on-one drove rookie minicamp, and he just ran right past him, and Daniel Jones to a beautiful deep pass. Uh, to him for what would have been a touchdown. So he's all the speed in the world, but maybe he's got to work on those hands.
1: DeAndre Elliott, six feet, 188 from Colorado State. Yeah, he had trouble
0: trouble staying with uh, Darius Slayton on that first deep route of one-on-ones.
1: Yeah, and Elliott did not get signed, by the way, over the weekend, so that would be... Do you want to update the folks on some of the guys that did? Uh, there was a punter, Anderson, Ryan Anderson. And they like to have a couple of legs
0: at those special team spots in here over the offseason. I would not think Riley Dixon's job is... No, day no, no, day no, day no. no. Uh,
1: there was a defensive lineman, Alex Jenkins, uh, who has been in camp with the Saints for a couple of years. He's an Englishman in the international NFL program and uh, was on the practice squad with the Saints. He's intriguing to me, John. Did you watch him at all? specifically? Uh, I did. Specifically. No, I did. I did and the reason why... He's like 6'5", 285. I mean, his body, his frame is really impressive. So he was more of a five-tech.
0: He was more of a down lineman th- than he was a, a outside linebacker. Oh, there's no rusher. question. I there's no you.
1: question. Let me see. Where did do, where do they put him? Alex Jenkins, they listed him at 6'4". They listed him at 258. Oh, two I think fi- he's li- if he's 258, he can be an, an outside he, edge guy. I think he's bigger than that. I thought he was bigger than that when I looked at
0: him. Now, the good news for you, I heard since he might be on the roster, they're actually going to relocate one of our games to London.
1: Don't ever think that again. <laughs> that's that's In all. fact, if you speak that again, okay? I will be forced to decapitate you. Oh,
0: that's strong. That's and strong. Ironically, Paul did not watch Game of Thrones last night, which somebody did happen one of the main really? one of the main characters got decapitated, which is why no I, kidding. people might think you're referencing that,
1: but he's not. He just wants the old school decapitation. I believe in the game of throws as in quarterbacks who throw the ball.
0: Anyway, by the way, that was also a joke. Paul just doesn't like going overseas. 201-939-4513. <laughs> it's all presented by Coors Light. Oh, I got what?
1: I got one more thing. I
0: was gonna ask you before I went to the calls if you had another thing. I
1: did one more thing. I really I really wanted to say this because shout out to an FCS guy who we covered in the NEC. Nahari Crawford from Duquesne did not let one ball drop. Nah, he,
0: he and he, he got over too
1: everything. He, w- he was getting open. He was running his routes well. He caught everything. Somehow, alas, he did not get signed, and I feel bad about that because that was a guy who, in my opinion, showed a lot during this uh, rookie minicamp. I also th- thought that uh, C.J. Conrad, uh, to me, looked like very soft hands. The guy is stacked and thick and built. Tight end, by the way, folks. Yes. And I, I, right now, he is my rookie minicamp sleeper to at least be on the practice squad. C.J. Conrad. And I'm saying that without any contact because obviously they don't do that. So I'm going to put an asterisk next to him, but C.J. Conrad is a guy to watch for me. Now I'm done. (laughs)
0: 201-939-4513. Let's go to Marco in Connecticut. He'll lead us off today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Marco.
2: Hey, John. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Doing great. What's up? Uh, Not too much. I'm just uh, excited that we had a little weekend of uh, talking about some guys there. That was fun to read the reports. Um, I uh, over the weekend I was having one of many debates about with some giant fans and also uh, fans, uh, friends that are not fans of the team, uh, and they just everyone's bringing up, uh, "Hey, you know, basically what you're hearing on the radio, like, oh, what is Gettleman's plan? There was a plan. Now there doesn't seem to be a plan, which uh, I really don't subscribe to at all. And stupid is of, what it and is, I, and I, and it's, it's really dumb. And I was like, I. I I broke it down with some with some friends and on what I thought, but I wanted to call you guys and um, and talk about this. I think the biggest competitive advantage now in the NFL um, are these teams that have a quarterbacks on the rookie contracts, and they, and especially if those rookies are playing pretty good, and then you can go in there and really surround the team with great players and make a run for it. And you see a lot of these teams doing it. Um, I think when it comes to a plan, I think that obviously the Giants know that, and they know what the the number six pick and what kind of contract he's going to have. It's all out there now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like it used to be years ago. Right. So I, I think that's going to happen. Like probably, I would guess, and uh, my prediction is going to be next year or the year after. But here's where I like. I think when you're talking to other people, and they get thrown off because Gettleman does throw out. Uh, a few different models and what i explained to some of my buddies i'm like he's just giving you examples of the way teams have done it with rookie quarterbacks not saying like the giants are going to do it one way or another
0: that is correct i
2: I don't think i'd be really shocked i'd be pleasantly surprised put it this way by the way if eli has a great year and then he was to resign and now you have jones who's sitting for two or three years i don't This has nothing to do do with Eli. I just don't think that's going to happen based on what I said, the competitive advantage. But I guess I'm trying to – I want to ask you guys, do you feel like there's an advantage of letting the kid play and letting these rookies play right away, whether it's five games in or from the get-go or or even a little bit towards the end of the year? I think
0: it depends on the player, Marco. I think some guys are more ready to go than others. I think some guys – um, maybe physically aren't there yet and putting them out there when they're not ready physically can only hurt them. Um, I'm not sure if any of the Giants guys, in my opinion, necessarily fall into that category. I think most of these guys, you know, physically and mentally can, can handle the game. I don't see any big-time projects. Maybe Corey Ballantyne coming from Washburn is going to need some time now. Who knows how long with his injury, you know, how long he's going to get back. Uh, but I, I don't think that there's anybody that you have to hold back because of an injury or, or any problem like that. Um, other than, of course, you know, a better player being in front of them.
1: Well, I, are you talking specifically quarterback or any position? Spe- specifically, quarterback. Oh, specifically quarterback. I'm I wasn't. Sorry. Yeah, I wasn't sure which way you were going on that. For me, it's case by case basis. I, I, I mean, it's short and sweet and simple. Case by case basis, Markle, And
0: I, I'll say yes. I think every quarterback is helped by waiting a little bit.
1: I would prefer that too, but. Sometimes you don't have the luxury. Correct. Sometimes you don't have the luxury. Because if you go back,
0: Marco, and you take a look at the seasons of rookie quarterbacks over the past 15 to 20 years, you don't find many good ones in there. No. I mean, Carson Wentz started his career off with two or three really good ones. Then he played, frankly, poorly the rest of the year. Uh, Baker Mayfield probably in one of the best rookie Mm -hmm. quarterback years that we've seen. But you go back, there are not many really good rookie. You know who actually had one of the best rookie quarterback seasons? Dak Prescott. If you yeah, really look at yeah. the numbers, yeah, he, he's probably one of the you guys did. that's up there, but there really aren't many others. So yeah, I think there certainly is a benefit to a rookie quarterback well, to sitting and watching for a certain amount of time. And yes, at the end of the year, do I think it's good for them to get wet behind the ears and get some snaps in? Yeah, I think that's a good thing too.
2: Here, here's here's my last point. Um, you guys comment, on it, you know, if if you can if you can, I, I'd love to hear your take on it. But sure, um, I Gettleman has done an awesome job of eliminating as many distractions as he could out of the locker room. He's, he's put so many good guys and quality leaders in the, in the building. And, it, and you could tell what's going on here. I think a story that – and I don't, I don't know how – here's my question. I don't know how the Giants get away from this story all year. That if Eli has a good year, they're going to ask about him on the last year of his contract. They're going to ask about Ben and Philip Rivers being re-signed if he if he comes out and even struggles in the least bit you know what they're going to be calling for of course but i don't no. know i don't know how you get away from that distraction this year and still try to go out and have a great year here's how you do uh, it here. go ahead Paul. No, scott
1: here's how you do it you go first all right you, you draft daniel jones who is like manning brother number 4 these two guys will not allow that storyline to be a distraction no matter how much the writers beg and plead and throw fish on the end of the hook and throw chum in the water for the sharks it's not going to happen these two guys will not let it yeah see that's the thing marco the
0: questions will be asked you're absolutely right and no Mm -hmm. one's going to stop the questions being asked but if when the question is asked both guys answer the same way every single time. Well, you know what? I'm going to go out there. If you're you're Eli, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play my best. The team will make a decision when they make a team. Until then, I consider myself the starter, and I'm going to do my best to play good football. And Daniel Jones says, I'm here to learn. I will do whatever the team asks me to do. I'm happy to sit behind Eli. I'm growing a lot, and I love being a member of the New York Giants. If those two guys answer that question that way every single time, every time they're asked, guess what? There's not going to be a story because the controversy is going to come from the way those guys answer the question, not necessarily whether or not the question is asked.
1: Now, don't get me wrong, uh, Marco. Don't get me wrong. The writers will try to twist it. They will take stuff out of context. They will make stuff up if they have to. But for the most part, the two players involved will be able to defuse that.
2: I, I, I hope so, and I agree, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Marco. And by the way, I'll say this, too. Like,
0: Davis Webb always answered those questions pretty well. He did and, great and with them. So-called letter, too. And by the way, I'll say this, too, and I, I don't think this gets said enough because I know a lot of people have negative opinions of him because of his time with the other team here. I thought when he was here in the building, as awkward of a situation as it was, I thought Geno Smith handled that whole thing with Eli really, really well. I think he answered questions really well. I, I, thought, I thought he handled that like a pro couple things he's tweeted since then, I could live without. But I think while he was here in the building dealing with it, I think he dealt with that controversy and the way he answered questions pretty well.
1: I'll let you go to the next call.
0: 201-939-4513. Let's go to Christian in New York. Christian's up next. Hey, Christian.
3: Hey, guys. Hi. Uh, I wanted to talk about the quarterbacks going into this year, but I wanted to mention uh, DeAndre Baker first because I think uh, – his attitude is like very different than most guys that he's bringing in. But uh, I I really don't mind it because I think he was willing to, you know, get a guy that's a little more uh, feisty and might not be, Exactly, a choir boy, but because he is so good. Christian, you know Christian, I, mean? I, I
0: want to interrupt you for a second. There is an an idea out there that Dave Gettleman's drafting players simply because they're good people. It's the biggest load of garbage <laughs> I've ever heard. He drafts them because they're good football players. If they happen to check that other box, that's great. But if they're not really good football players, he's not going to pick them.
3: Well, I, I think he is putting the talent first, too, but I think he is making them check that box also. Um. You know, I, I think he, I think that there's I think that's an added box for
0: all of these guys. It is part the of Giants, the evaluation, though. but it is a minor part of the evaluation. Christian, let
1: me just add one thing here, and I think it's very important. Until you meet these guys and I'm gonna assume that you haven't met any of the Giants draft picks in person, for you to make any assumptions about what kind of people they are would be really wrong for you to do. You know, honestly, I've met these guys. I've talked to these guys. I can tell you they're all good guys, and I can tell you that DeAndre Baker does have a cornerback's mentality, and that is throw the ball to me. Come on, I dare you to throw the ball at me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a play. And you know what? That's good. I, I, don't, well, yeah, I don't, I don't mean, see the negative in that.
3: No, I know. I mean, I like that, but I know he had some questionable visits uh, with some teams. I mean. There's not a ton of details that came out about him, but uh, there are definitely teams that, you know, had some questions, you yeah, know, the about one, his, his the character. one, The
0: one thing I heard from about him, Christian, is that he came out and apparently when he showed up to, at the Combine, he did not do a lot of the preparation for maybe some of the physical events that a lot of the other guys did. He kind of came in and kind of wung it a little bit, and I think that maybe rubbed some teams the wrong way.
3: Yeah. Look, and all, and I, yeah, all I'm going to
1: say is it's really best – to gauge your opinions about somebody off of a first hand account. My personal eyewitness first hand account of this guy to this point does not indicate anything of what you're trying to suggest about him being anything less than a good guy. Uh, and, I'm and not again, saying he's
3: a bad guy. I'm okay. just saying that he I think that he has uh you know, I know he, he did have a bad visit with the team and uh, I think he doesn't have quite as high of character as most of the guys they bring Again, in. Again, you're making assumptions
1: guy guy. that I'm not, I'm not willing to go there until I know the guy better. I'm sorry, that's that's just wrong to do.
3: All right, uh, well, yeah, that's that's fair. But, um, you know, I, I was mainly calling about the quarterbacks. And last year, uh, Shermer really wanted a veteran backup on the team. And uh, that kind of makes a tricky situation this year with Lalletta because it sounds like he wouldn't want Jones and Lalletta to back up Eli because there's not much experience there. So, uh, you know, maybe they expect just a higher floor with such a high draft pick and they're okay with Jones and Lalletta, but, you know, if if they feel like they got to move on from Lalletta, I hope they get something back.
0: Competition, Christian, that's what it's going to be. If Jones can prove he can be the backup, that's great. Uh, I don't think there's a guarantee that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be a wait-and-see-how-the-guys-develop type of situation. Um, and, you know, maybe Loletta can prove that, that 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 he's good enough to, and he absorbed enough last year to be that guy too. So I think that'll be a competition. I do think they like what Tanny brings as a veteran. I think he's almost like a second quarterback coach in, in a lot of ways in that room too. So we'll, we'll wait and see. That'll be a... Uh, very much something that will be decided over the course of the summer. And thanks for the call, Christian. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, John, you know, um, I think you know my feeling going into this offseason was that they would probably, even if they didn't draft a quarterback, they would probably bring in someone else for competition anyway. And as far as I'm concerned, going in, Eli Manning and now Daniel Jones are the only two quarterbacks who are guaranteed spots on this roster. I think Tanny yeah. has to compete. I, I think Loletta has to compete. And that's not a knock on those guys. It's simply a matter of fact. It's reality. We think the Giants might keep three this year, but what if they decide they're only going to keep two? I don't think that's going to happen. But if they decide to only keep two, guess what? Jones is number two. Baby Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. One other thing on
0: the quarterbacks, very quickly, before we get to Pete in Washington Heights. Pete, you'll be up in about a minute here. Yeah. In terms of how they try to usher Jones in this year, and this is how I look at it, they're... Eli Manning, if he does two things, he's going to keep Daniel Jones off the field. If he plays well and the team win games. Sure. And if as long as they're in it mathematically and Eli Manning is playing well, bar a fourth-quarter blowout and they want to give Jones some snaps just for the sake of getting him snaps, Manning's going to play. Once, if they become eliminated from playoff contention— Then who knows? Maybe we'll see Jones in there, even if Eli is playing well a little bit to get the guy some run, get him some reps. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be determined by how the team performs and how the quarterback performs, and it's really that simple.
1: When I was on with Joe and Evan on the fan the other day, they came up with a number out of Nevada that said, over or under, Daniel Jones plays or makes seven and a half starts this season. That's an easy under one for me. And I said, give me $5 on the under. And 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 Evan laughed, and I said, that's all right, uh, Benigno will lend me the money. And Joe's like, no, 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 Paul, that's not happening. I, I don't have that Sure, I have that. Uh, you know, come on. Really? That's, that's a high number. I thought it was, yeah, yeah, that's a high number. That's the number they gave me, that's and they number. asked me for it, and I said, well, I'm going under then. That's not, that's not hard.
0: Yeah, if I was creating that question for our over-under competition—
1: You would probably say something like three. I would
0: put two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half. Yeah, there you go. I figured that. that. That, That's where I would put it.
1: And then that's I think it gets tricky there. Well, only because you don't know exactly, A, what Eli's health is going to be. Right. I mean, I I don't need to see him getting sacked 45 times again this year. He's also never missed a game because of injury. And then the other thing is, too, you just don't know how the division is going to shake out. No, you don't. Exactly. I mean, what if? Or the wild card, for that matter. What if either... The Giants are in the playoffs or out of the playoffs with two weeks left in the season it's absolutely possible that Daniel Jones could get could get run sure sure he could 100 uh, percent and so and this division right now in my opinion is just so gray I I can't I can't handicap it I can't two just can't
0: nine three nine four five one three Pete in Washington Heights as promised Pete what's up
4: how you doing, guys? Thanks for taking Hi. the call. Thanks for uh, calling in. I just want to uh, first of all, uh, Paul. Great imitation of Joe Beningo, by the way. <laughs> bro, um, bro, bro.
1: No, no, that was <laughs> terrible, <laughs> bro. Can once me. in my life the Jets win a Super Bowl? <laughs>
4: All right, guys. I want to go against the media narrative and in favor of the Gettleman narrative here with the six pick. First of all, if you look at our our second round and first round picks, they're both better than Pittsburgh. So even if it supposedly happened after six, we should have got the 10 from them because we had more
0: to offer oh time out what are you talking about with Pittsburgh I'm lost what, yeah where are you going oh,
4: Denver I'm sorry Denver traded out of 10 right with yeah Pittsburgh
1: okay right? okay
4: and and the narrative is that 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 our quarterback Jones w- you know was going to be available blah 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 I think Edelman knew that he wasn't going to be available because it was at six that he spoke with Denver when we had six and we had both Allen and Jones available. That's when he called Denver, and you know, people have relationships. Maybe Elway said to him, you know, you better pick the quarterback, because if you pick the pass rusher, I'm not going to let you have 10 All right, because I like the quarterback.
1: Time out a second. Time out a second. Did you understand it to be that way? I did not. No, because Giants, I think Michael Eisen on Giants.com
0: actually reported that they talked after the Giants selected Correct. Jones about the Giants moving up to I 10. I believe
1: your timeline is erroneous. Correct. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, but, they, let me,
4: but let me ask you, why yes. would they, after the Giants Selected and the Giants had a better offer than Pittsburgh. The no, Giants they didn't. Had seventeen versus twenty and thirty-seven versus fifty-two in the second round. Yes, except it, it no, but timeout.
0: No, but Pete, Pittsburgh included a draft pick in next season. They the Giants, they, they uh, included yeah. a 3rd 20, yeah.
1: 20, 20 round pick. Giants weren't doing that. The Giants oh, were know, not looking oh, to trade anything out of the Giants.
4: We're going we're to give them uh, better picks in the first and second
1: round, but not the not the pick next year? No, we don't know
0: that for a fact, but, we don't. but, but you, you brought up that the two picks in this year's draft were superior. You're correct about that, but Pittsburgh offered an additional pick in next year's draft, which, again, I don't know this for a fact, but my guess would be that's what made their offer better.
1: Yeah, Dave Gettleman had, had been asked before the draft if he was willing to deal something from 2020 if he had to move up in this draft. He said maybe. And he was like, maybe, but I didn't get the impression he was too anxious to do that. He, he's a guy who really values his picks. He does not like, in fact, what did he say? What was his one thing he said? I don't like to push or kick the can down. Kick, kick the can down the road. Which, 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 in which, what he was using that phrase to describe trading future draft picks. He doesn't like to do it.
4: Right. No, I understand that. My only point is that he he may have had an inkling that that um, Elway indeed did like Jan, Daniel Jones, and that's why Elway maybe w- you know wouldn't make the trade, and that's why I think he maybe did it when the Giants— I, I think I think the media may be getting it wrong. Well,
1: Pete, the,
0: Pete, Pete, that, I'll ahead. I'll just say this very quickly. Um, the Giants in those conversations for ten, it wasn't necessarily about a quarterback there, and I'll just leave it at that.
4: No, I know it wasn't about a quarterback. No, it was about the defensive player, absolutely.
1: Well, because they had already taken Jones at six. Right. The defensive that's... player was going to be next. So
0: that's what Elway was doing at 10 with Jones is irrelevant because they talked to Denver about the pick after they already secured Jones. Well, right.
4: I, um, I, you know, and that's my theory. My theory is that that's not the case, and that's how
0: Geto yeah, knows but... that,
1: that... – uh, that, that's how he knows Denver was the other team. He, here, here's here's, here's, oh, the, problem. No. here's the, the problem. Here's the problem, Pete. Got the time here's the problem with what you're saying. Dave Gettleman had Michael Eisen. He allowed him in the room to write a chronology of how things went down, which you can read on Giants.com. You also can go back and read Peter King's account. He was with Elway in Denver's draft room, and Elway told him, the Giants have, have, have called us and asked us about number 10. Everything jives. So do you for you to assume that the timeline is inaccurate, I think is erroneous on your part. Yeah,
0: given that Eisen was in the room and the Giants front office approved that that got printed, something tells me it's probably accurate. I mean, okay. you know, All right. it's so, not smoking so mirrors here. What I'm
1: asking then is your your
4: your thinking is that even though the Giants maybe because it was like 37 to 52 in the second round, the picks, and then 17 to 20, even with right. those picks, and if the Giants threw in one of their later picks from this year, you don't think Elway would have given it up?
0: Well, maybe maybe the Giants weren't willing to throw in. And- Another later pick. Pete, thanks for the call. I honestly don't know. I don't know what the exact negotiation was. We went out of the room. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Um, We're guessing and my guess is that what set the Steelers' offer apart was that they were willing to offer a pick from next year's draft. That's my guess. It's a likely scenario. I have no idea if it's true or not but that would be my thought in terms of what they were looking at for the trade up there.
1: That's an educated guess and and, and it makes a lot of sense. My guess the
0: Giants liked some players that were falling down past where they thought they should have fallen and they said oh wow we can get this guy at 10 maybe we can go talk about it and make it happen
1: so in any event I, I, I'll be honest with you it's it's so like water under the bridge for me right now honestly the draft is so far in my rearview mirror I'm just interested in seeing what the guys do as they get to uh, to mini camp and training camp and then the season and
0: folks look the bottom line is that there's no way to know whether Jones is going to be there at 17 or not Gettleman did not think he was going to be um, and he had to operate that way. If you don't know for sure, you have to make sure you get the quarterback that you love. I, I, and by the way, there's also a chance that after the fact, a couple of GMs sent him a text and said, oh, boy, Dave, you know, you, you're real lucky. There's, you know, he didn't give that answer on Thursday night. No. After they made the pick, by the way. No, he did not. Remember that. He did so not. So maybe a couple GMs between 1 and 17 sent him a text. And was like, you know, nobody knew we were thinking about doing this, but Dave, good thing that you picked him there because there's no way he was going to be. You know, these guys are friends. They talk to each other. They do. That's what happens. So... I have no idea what the case might be. What I do know is that there's no way anyone knows if he was going to be there at 17. So if you like the quarterback that much at 6 and the Giants had him graded
1: that high on their board,
0: that's where you pick him.
1: I'll give you one final thought, John. After the fact, I didn't know this before the fact, I was told three days after the draft from someone outside the building with absolutely no connection or interest to the Giants whatsoever. The dude is totally independent. Said to me, I know for a fact he was not going to be there at 17 because I know one team for sure that was going to take him before 17. And I'm not going to go anywhere further with that because it's not my business to do it. Hey, look, Jim, Jim Nagy told us that he wasn't going to be there. David yes. Cutcliffe told me he wasn't going to be the there. We had people on the record say it. I had people before the draft
0: say they didn't think he was going to get to the Giants so. at 17. So the bottom line, nobody knows because there is no Earth 2. And it's, by the, the
1: way, it's not relevant now.
0: Correct. They there, are, picked them. There that's is no, it. It's th- done. There is no Earth 2 like they had in Avengers Endgame where you have a different series of events happen and you're going to know exactly what what have went down. You don't know that. So that's where we're at, folks. And let's just see how the kid plays. That's what matters now. Scott in New Mexico is up next. Scotty do how are you?
5: Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, question for you. Uh, you sort of addressed it already. I was curious about uh, if anybody impressed of the undrafted free agents in the mini camp. But I also have another question. Uh, if you had to pick out a group that still needs work, and what I mean by that is, uh, if you had to pick out one specific group like the linebacking core or the defensive line. Which group needs the most work? In other words, which one is the most efficient on the Giants right now? And whatever group you pick, I was just curious as to your rationale as to why that will need the most
0: are work. you talking like depth at those groups, Scott, or yeah, like overall like high end talent? You know as well. well, I think those are I think those are two separate questions. um it's okay. a good question though. I mean they have so many corners now they can maybe use a little bit more depth at safety, depending on how you look at Julian Love. Um, wide receivers, they have depth. Look, high end, you still don't have that established You know, 12-sack pass rusher. If you're talking about high end starting. You're looking at that. You're looking at right tackle in terms of high end starting deal. Um, how about depth-wise, Paul? Where do you think right now the Giants probably could still use a little bit more depth?
1: There's no question it's going to be on the offensive line and it's going to be on the defensive line. I don't think they have enough of proven guys. They've got bodies at a number of positions, but where are the proven guys? For example, at safety, right? We think Julian Love could very easily compete. Yeah, maybe. Right? Who knows? Maybe. But, 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 but Chandler is very unproven. He had a cup of coffee last year in the last month of the season, but he's kind of unproven in the spot. Julian Love is unproven in the spot. So, who were the proven safeties behind buffet and Peppers? Yeah, and who were the pro- nobody? Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there are positions like that at, at defensive end. You could talk that way. Inside linebackers, the same deal Inside by the way. Inside linebacker, it's Stupar and and uh, and uh, Trey and Connolly and, and, uh, and uh, Tay Davis. Tay Davis. Tay Davis. I mean, these guys. There's not exactly a huge resume you know, on, on these guys' tables that say, oh, they're bringing this. The Giants have a lot of bodies and a lot of spots. Right. And a bunch of those depth chart guys are kind of unproven. But the spot to me that is as thin as tissue paper is the right tackle spot. That, that to me is still the obvious one that I don't know if they have the answers there. Did, uh,
5: are, are, are we sure that Chad Wheeler hasn't improved enough to still reclaim the starting position yet? Or Maybe. That's we, unproven at this
0: point. Oh, yeah. I mean, Scott, we haven't seen Chad Wheeler play football since January and December, just like you. So we'll we he, have both to wait and see.
1: Here's the safe okay. way to say it. Offensive tackle is very thin. And when you say it that way, okay, even if Chad Wheeler is good enough to start, who's your who's swing number three?
0: Guy? Who, Who's your
1: swing guy? I, I have no idea, and you better have an answer. For who number don't three they have, is? not uh, John Greco
5: and also Greco's uh, not here. Hala, Hala Pio
1: and Greco's not here, and, Hala, and 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 Pio is not a tackle, and neither was Greco, by the way. No, uh,
5: uh, neither okay. one. So that so offensive tackle would probably be yeah. the position. I agree with that. I mean, a position uh, that that's
1: uh, Kleenex thin.
5: Right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I was just curious as to uh, no good what stuff. Your Scott. Thoughts are, Ward, on Sure. It. Thanks.
0: Appreciate the call. It's all presented by Coors Light. We'll take two or three more calls before we say goodbye. Let's go to Mike in Fort Myers, who's up next. Hey, Mike.
6: Hey, guys. Yeah, You started to cover one of the uh, questions I was going to ask. But I've seen this trailer on some of the sports shows where it says that the fifth-year option is declined, and they list some players. A, can you explain what that means? B, are there any opportunities there for the Giants to pick up qualified players?
0: Uh, Basically what that means, when you draft a player in the first round of the draft, you have them on a four-year contract, but the team has a fifth-year option on those players. Depending on where they're drafted determines what the salary amount on that fifth-year option is. So the team must decide before the player plays in their fourth season whether or not they're going to pick up the fifth-year option. So you might have saw that the Titans declined Jack Conklin's fifth-year option. The Saints declined Eli Apple's fifth-year option. Well, those guys are heading into the fourth year of their career. So they're still going to play their fourth-year with those teams now, but they will now become an unrestricted free agent after their fourth year instead of playing under the fifth-year option of their rookie deal, which the team has an option as to whether or not they want to activate it.
6: Very good. Hey, I want to pick up then from the previous caller's question. We've heard that guards can go to a, a training you know, event off-campus, off, uh, off Sure. And that there, there are there are people that will train, you know, guards how to fight in a phone booth. Is there any such schools for right tackles or left tackles? Oh,
0: sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mike. I it's, mean, offensive line schools for all the positions. Uh, Charles Bentley has one of
0: those. Correct. Exos runs all sorts of mm-hmm. offensive line camps. So yeah, there are all sorts of camps out there and facilities that do training for all sorts of positions. They'll hire former NFL position coaches or former NFL linemen to come in and kind of help train the guys in that respect. Absolutely. And
1: I should add, by the way, Chad Wheeler has busted his butt this offseason. Oh, yeah. I should add that because he has worked extremely hard to try to improve. And I think I I saw him the other day and I said, Chad, I think you got bigger and bulkier up top, a little wider. He looks like he put on some some strength and some muscle. What did he say? Ah, uh, he kind of ah, shucks, you know he's a <laughs> that, very humble guy, that's chad, very, very humble guy and and doesn't really say a whole lot, but he's a pleasant fellow and and I know he has worked very, very hard, and but quite he, honestly, I think he, <laughs> he understands the competition is right now it's, it's right there in front of him, and we'll see if it translates when he gets yeah. on the field.
6: yeah, but you don't know if Wheeler has gone to any one of those schools I do not know to that help improve his technique
1: I do not know that I don't know that either
6: okay, so the the thing to look for, I guess in the coming six to ten weeks is if any right tackle prospects come out from training camps or whatever.
0: Yeah, that, and and there are also some veterans out there, Mike, like, for example, a guy that Dave Gettleman mentioned at at his last press conference, Mike Remmers, who he's familiar with from Carolina, uh, Pat Shermer's familiar with from Minnesota. He's a right tackle. If he can rehab that back injury and he can pass the physical, he's someone that could be an option down the road, too.
6: What? What's the option, what's the probability of people who play a tackle position getting their back one, in 100% shape and to play 16 games? Uh, to me, it seems like that's more hopeful than realism.
1: Uh, many offensive you, linemen Appreciate have back it. problems during their career and, and wind up playing many more years after that. I mean, it's, it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah, I have no idea what the details of the injury were. It's impossible to know. Just to uh, go over the roster as of this morning, John. Victor Salako
0: is the guy who was actually a rookie minicamp,
1: right? Uh yeah. He's on the roster. Uh, Brian Mahalik oh, is, is still on the roster. They picked
0: him up from the Lions practice squad last year. He's like six eight and a half,
1: right? He's big gigantic. Big fella. Yeah. Big fella. Uh Big George, the seventh round pick out of Kentucky. Yep. Uh he is he is a tackle who was listed on the roster and Actually, that is all they're actually listing is tackles on the roster as we speak right now. So, as you can tell, uh, I'm not being insulting or disrespectful to any of them. The tackle spot is tissue paper thin.
0: 201-939-4513. Julian in Florida. Hey, Julian.
7: Hey, guys. How are you doing? Can doing you hear well. me okay? Uh, loud Hi. and clear. Okay, perfect. So I just wanted to kind of go off with a statement here. Um, I'm just going to give you guys my opinion on something. And by any means, if you want to cut in and let me know if I'm wrong or whatnot, but this is truly my opinion. Sure. And I was at a draft at a a Giants bar down here in Fort Lauderdale. And I happened to be next to an older gentleman that I had been talking to the whole time about the draft. I mean, before it even started, we are having a couple beers, and, you know, he was talking about the old days and whatnot. Very old school. R- reminded me a lot of you, Paulie. Um, just, okay. just The old school mentality. Not because not of his age, just because of his mentality in football. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Julian, it's okay. Paul knows so that he's it. old. It's fine. I, I get it. I get it.
7: <laughs> Got it. So, I mean, guys, when that pick happened, every single Giant fan fell to the floor like, oh, my God. And including me, my mouth dropped. And I'm looking at this gentleman, and he's shaking his head up and down, like, "Yep, okay." And I'm like, "Can you believe that we didn't get Josh Allen?" Look. And he goes, this is, "This is the perfect pick for us." And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, "You got to explain yourself, dude. What's going on?" <laughs> 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 and, and he was like, "This is the perfect New York fit." Now my buddy next to me is like, "Are you crazy? What are you talking about? We couldn't." And then he goes, "You got to be from New York to understand why Gettleman made this pick." this guy has that personality that no matter what the media does, no matter what they say, he's got that personality that he can handle the New York media. He's like, I can just tell by looking at this kid, and I've I've heard rumors about this kid, and he's talented. And this is the type of guy that that Mara wants and Tish wants, and this is your franchise type of quarterback, the guy that can handle the New York media and be talented at the same time. And when he said that, I kind of looked at him like, you know what? He's right. This is like that Eli Manning type of personality. This is that Derek Jeter type of personality. The guy that just doesn't budge to media. You already know. I mean, anything could happen, but you can just tell this kid's a good kid. Not going to get in trouble. I mean, like I said, I'm not, just, I'm not predicting the future, but it, you can just tell that's the personality that they want. If someone's going to lead your franchise as a quarterback, you want to have that type of – well, lead the franchise in a New York market, that's the kind of guy you need you know
1: if i I may uh, just kind of build upon what you said a second ago and i have said this ever since 2004 philip rivers would not have been good here ben roethlisberger would not have been good here eli manning was the right guy for this team. Roethlisberger might be out of the league. Big Ben the big was the right winner. guy for Pittsburgh. Right, absolutely. Rivers was the right guy for San Diego. The guys all wound up where they were supposed to want Exactly. Up. Mm-hmm. And that's guys, part of it.
7: Do you guys see now why I said that he reminded me of Pauly?
1: <laughs> well, it's it. look, I get it, all right? You have to look at the scouting report. You have to look at the tape. That's where you base your decisions off of. But then you have to go to the other part of the personnel folder. And that other page or the other side of the folder that says, okay, can we check work ethic? Can we check demeanor? Can we check poise in handling the media? Can we check stay out of trouble? Can we check good character? Can we check good leadership skills in the locker room? All those boxes are on the other side of the personnel profile folder. And it helps when you can check all those
0: too. Now, the most important part of it is that Rivers, Manning, and Roethlisberger can all play at a really high level. No And we're going to find out now. Of course. Of With course. this group, whether or not they're up to that level in terms of playability.
7: Yep. I, I, I'm just so happy I was next to that gentleman, guys, because I think if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 28 years old, I was around a bunch of people my age and older gentlemen and whatnot, but the guy made it, like, he made it very clear for me and, and made me understand. Like, that's what you need. Now, if you really think about it, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, all those guys, I, just like you guys are comparing Eli, I mean, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers, I don't think they can last in the New York media. I don't think Baker Mayfield could have laughed in the New York Media. He would have torn us apart. You know what I mean? I'm just going based off his personality, you know, the way he is. This is the guy. This is the guy. And I'm gonna leave off with one last thing, guys. I always I, I feel like I always call you in to tell you I always run into a football player. I don't know if you guys remember any or not, but I told you guys I ran into uh Ross Cockrell about a year ago at a diner. Okay. And then I spoke to him a little bit. And then last year I ran into Rashad Jennings, who I had the most amazing conversation with. About thirty minutes. He was the coolest guy. Literally talked to me about everything. And, and it, I mean, it was That's easy awesome. to do. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good dude, man. I mean, like, he, he was, he made it, he, he didn't seem like he was a, a football player, he just seemed like a normal dude. But I was in uh, Publix, uh, it's a supermarket down here. Yeah. And I was in the sub line, and standing right in front of me, not too tall, was Michael Vick. <laughs> and I didn't want to approach him because he seemed like he was just getting a sandwich or whatnot. And then he moved to the side, and, you know, we kind of locked eyes for a second. I looked at him, he looked at me. And I just had to say it. I was like, I'm a big fan, man. He goes, "Thank you." And I was like, Yeah. I mean, uh, what did you think about the draft? Like, I just wanted to start a conversation with him. He was like, It was crazy, but it was good. You know? He's like, He's like a lot of defense. And I was like, Yeah, I'm a Giants fan, man. And then he looked at me and goes, "I like Jones." And then I said, <laughs> "Better than Hapkins." I said that. I said better than Hapkins. He looked at me and again and said, "I like Jones." So I wanted to leave that off with you guys. That's interesting.
0: I don't okay. Know if that means anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Julian. You know, that's Take it. care, guys. it's funny how you can just randomly get these little nuggets sometimes from people. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> funny thing, you know, and, and uh, people I don't think think about this a lot, but you know, Jones a better better athlete than people give him credit for. Yes. Go, go, going back to the I like Jones yes. thing from Vic, and Vic obviously was 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 a better athlete than he was a quarterback. I think. You know, I think. Um, Kyler Murray checks both boxes. Unbelievable athlete. And he can throw the ball with extreme mm-hmm. accuracy. And Russell Wilson's in that same category. Unbelievable athlete. But he can accurately throw the ball with, with anybody on the planet. So it's interesting. And look, that's the thing. Guys, quarterback evaluation, a quarterback play is, is affected so much by what happens around you and the players around you and the scheme around you that, you know, Predicting what they're going to do on the next
1: level can be very, very tough. This is one area where the Eli Manning stereotype hurts Daniel Jones. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Right? Mm -hmm. Because we all know Eli to be a statue in the pocket and and has some escapability back there, but not really what you would call mobile. He has pocket mobility. Correct. Now, when people compare Jones to him all the time, the immediate thought is, okay, pocket passer, all the other things that we said before, but, oh, yeah, by the way, he's not going to escape the pass rush. Well, that's really unfair to Daniel Jones because, as we have seen many times on tape and in person, Daniel Jones can roll out. And, by the way, I should add this to the beginning. We kind of wrap up our show. Daniel Jones also did a few throws while he was on the move Yep, Mm -hmm. and had no problem planting the foot, getting the balance down, and making an accurate throw while he was on the rollout. And, you know, that's a good thing, too. He had two 60-plus-yard runs in North
0: Carolina. Kick and move.
1: Yeah, Eli, Eli's not running for 60 yards. No. no. Maybe,
0: maybe maybe over the course of a whole year, you're going to combine them together. Or,
1: or or on the treadmill. That's
0: true. <laughs> All right, for Paul Dettino, I'm John Schmelke. That's Big Boot Kickoff Live for this Monday. Enjoy mm. the rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow. We're back at noon. Adios.